Strategy is a big, fluffy, amorphous word that gets tossed around a lot and no one knows what the fuck it means, but it's probably important. And in my opinion, it is the most important. Welcome to The Game, where we talk about how to sell more stuff to more people in more ways and build businesses worth owning. I'm trying to build a billion dollar thing with acquisition.com. I always wished Bezos, Musk, and Buffett had documented their journey, so I'm doing it for the rest of us. Please share and enjoy. Okay, what is up? Everyone pumped? Okay, so like my new swag, I'm repping a little bit. Um, Okay, so I'm gonna do something different than I normally do for any kind of talks because I was thinking about this and I was like, all right, like how can I get everyone there to make the most possible money leaving the event, right? Um, And so I kind of structured this a little bit like many TikTok videos back to back to back. And so if you don't like or are not interested in something that I'm talking about for a moment, wait five minutes. Um, that's how I'm going to structure this today. And rather than do slides, which is normally what I do, I actually want to draw the stuff live with you. And I think it's more engaging that way uh, because if you've ever seen like a math problem on a board and it's just like all done versus like someone walking through the math, it like sinks or hits different. That's at least the theory. And if it sucks, you can tell me at the end. All right, cool, great. Okay, so I was originally asked to talk about branding on social media. I will talk about brand for about five minutes. And the main reason for that is because I don't think it's gonna make you more money. So I'm gonna be hijacking the other 55 minutes of my talk to more shit that I think will make you money than talking about social media branding. And that may sound uh, conflicting with how I am doing things, but it's more about context. So everyone here, who here owns a brick and mortar gym? Can I just get like a show of hands? Wonderful. Okay. Here's my quick thing on brand and then I'll get to all the stuff I'm going to draw. So big picture, brand isn't actually a thing. It's an association we make between things that we know and things that people don't know, which is usually our company. And so if you think about a brand like a bouquet of flowers, right? Got these little flowers. These are my flowers. A bouquet of flowers. Thank you. Uh, you're going to love the rest of the presentation. <laughs> a bouquet of flowers isn't actually a thing. It's many things put together, and then we put it in our heads as an idea as one. But it doesn't, it's not actually anything. Because if you spill it on the floor, it's not a bouquet anymore, right? And so when we brand, think of a brand as a bouquet of flowers, but it's your bouquet of flowers. And what you're putting inside of that bouquet are the individual intangible ideas that you want to associate together with the thing that people don't know about, which is usually your company, right? And so if I were to say some things about my brand, you probably know that I have the best calves ever, right? So that would be something that's like associated with my brand. There'd probably be some things like dessert. That's something that's associated with my brand. Now, those are like fun little doodads, but hopefully some of the things that you really associate with my brand are giving first, providing value, being patient, doing the boring work, whatever, doing blah, 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 right? Dot, dot, dot. And so there are these intangible things that we associate. And the thing is, is that like, if I were standing on stage next to, let's say, a guy who owns a brothel and a drug dealer, you would associate my brand with that. And so you think differently, like the bouquet would look different. And the reason brand and reputation is so hard to maintain is because so many people want to rub their shit on yours. Because as soon as yours gets better, 
They want to associate theirs with yours, which is the right move for them to make. But it gets harder and harder for you to make to get them to not do that because they continue to dilute and not really dilute because you don't actually dilute anything. You just make more associations that aren't with what you want to do. All right. So let me give you an idea here. So let's say here's my bouquet and I've got this sad flower. So this is a sad face flower. There's my sad flower. If I handed my wife this bouquet, all of the roses are perfect, and there's this one that's just wilted and dead. It looks a lot different, right? The bouquet, the brand, the perception of it massively shifts even with one fucked up flower. And so that's why creating a brand is much more about cultivating deliberately the associations you want to make with the thing you have that people don't know, with the things that your ideal audience likes that you want them to like too. Does that make sense? I'm seeing some head nods. And so if you have a clean gym, people will start to associate your gym with the intangible idea of being clean, right? If you have really friendly people, they'll start associating smiley faces, recognizing their name when they walk in the door with the brand, which in the beginning, they don't know what it is. The name is meaningless to them. But we create the meaning by associating with the things that we know that they like. And that is the process of branding done at scale. And you do it over and over and over and over. Right now, we put out 250 pieces of content a week. And in six months, we'll probably be at 1,000 a week in terms of what we're going to be putting out. And it's just an absolutely brutal, repetitive, violent process to get as many people as possible to remember one or two things about you. Does that make sense? Now, let me tell you what doesn't probably make sense for you. You probably can't do that, <laughs> which is why I talked to Kale before uh, I, I got up here. The brand that you're going to build in a local community is going to be based on the quality of your product and your service. Your reputation is going to be based on that. And so if you feel like you want to strengthen your brand, strengthen the product. You don't need to make a video on Instagram every day talking about fat and carbs. Because real talk, you're not going to be better, most likely, than the hottest chick on planet Earth talking about the same thing in terms of reach. And the thing is, and here's the double-edged sword, let's say you are amazing at it. If you do that, what's going to happen is that you're going to get more demand on your personal brand and online, et cetera, people who don't live close to you, that, you're, that will be a greater business opportunity for you than a single local location. And so then you're going to have a choice. And many of you probably have done this. Well, I've got some online clients. I've got some in-person clients and it's, I'm totally spread thin. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Right. Real talk. Anyone? Does this resonate? Right. Okay. And so that's why it's really about focusing on the one opportunity that's going to give you the highest ROI, which is going to be the remainder of the time that I'm going to be talking today. All right. And so I was asked to talk about social media and branding. I think that for most local businesses, the brand is going to be about the reputation. The reputation is going to be built on consistently meeting expectations. Now, the thing is, is we always talk about over-delivering. And I've even talked about over-delivering. But I think a lot of times I think about this, and the real real is that most people just can't even meet expectations because we sell so hot. And so if you could just meet the perception that this person has, the expectation they have of this, the service that they're going to get, you already won. Make promises, keep promises. Make promises, keep promises. And if they liked the first promise you made them and you keep it, They'll be with you forever. Okay. That was brand. So if you were like, I don't care about brand, welcome to the next TikTok. All right. So these are the topics that I want to hit on today. 
So we're gonna start with a little exercise. I'm gonna call it the magic wand, all right? So right now, if I have a magic wand or you have a magic wand and you wave it, then you get to make as much money as you want, all right? So write down or put, at least think about it in your head, what number that would be per month, okay? How much money are you making per month? Okay, hopefully it doesn't take too long to think of a number. Now, who here currently is making that amount of money? Please raise your hand. Wonderful. So we have just done established a gap between where you are and where you'd like to go. Fantastic. So here's you. Here's goal, which we all just established. Now, in scenario one, you have these goals, right? And there's all of these different ways of getting there, right? And the problem is, you're like, which one do I do? Before I explain more on that, scenario two is I don't know what to do to get to there. Let me tell you how these feel. This one feels like anxiety. So if you feel stressed or you are overwhelmed about which thing you should do, that's this. If you don't know what to do, you're at a loss. You feel hopeless because you're like, I don't know what the fuck to do. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And it's not about picking. It's like you don't even know where to start. And this has been really important for me to identify if I feel anxiety, it's because I don't know which thing to pick. If I'm feeling sad, it's because I feel hopeless. I'm like, okay, hopelessness means I have a lack of choices. So I have a lack of choices means I, am, I have ignorance around this topic. Okay, this makes it solvable. So then I can start solving for I need a path so that I know what to do. It's the only thing I know me personally. That's what makes me sad is if I don't know what to do, I get sad. Is this resonating with anyone here? Okay. So that was TikTok too. This one was about figuring out which thing to do. This is about figuring out what to do. So when you're deciding which thing to do, this is a clear case of lack of strategy. All right. Now, strategy is a big, fluffy, amorphous word that gets tossed around a lot and no one knows what the fuck it means, but it's probably important. And in my opinion, it is the most important. But I'm going to give you a different definition for this to make it a little bit more useful. Okay. Strategy is just prioritizing. That's all it is. Like whenever you hear someone say, we have to figure out our strategy, it just means we have to figure out our priorities. That's all it means. And in layman's terms, it's what's going to get us the most bang for the buck. If you want the fancy definition that I have, it's how you choose to allocate resources that are limited against unlimited options. That is strategy. And the tough part about this, about strategy in general, is that when you're looking here, you have all these options. Strategy is figuring out, actually, there's one that's right here that takes us off the page. Because the most costly thing in business isn't just the unknowns, but it's the unknown unknowns, as in the things that you didn't even know you could pick from. So let me give you three examples. Example number one, we had a company, so the first investment we made, I was still, I still owned 100% of Jim Launch at this point. Uh, it was a photography company. And so this photography company had a single location and the owner had an agency to help photography owners. And he was like, I want to do what you did with uh, Jim's with photography. I was like, okay. And so the more I got to know him, the more I learned about the business, I was like, nah, I don't think we should do that because I'll tell you the stats around it. So he was like, well, uh, it caught, you know, I, I charged five grand. 
And I was like, okay, well, what does the average photography studio add in revenue after using your thing? He said, 400,000 a year. I was like, so they add 400,000 a year. He's like, yeah. I was like, and you're charging, say it again. He's like, $5,000. I was like, okay, let's not do that anymore. And uh, I was like, does it cost less than $400,000 to make? And mind you, that was added revenue, not total. And his was doing millions. And I was like, okay, how much does it cost to start one of these? And he was like, not a ton. And I was like, huh, crazy idea here. I was like, what if we own them all? And so that's what we did two and a half years ago. And now we have 77 individual studio locations in terms of rooms where we take pictures. Um, and that business went from a million and a half a year to two and a half million a month in that time period. The, point, the reason I bring this up is that it wasn't a move that was on the board. It's like, how do I grow this agency? How do I turn this into a coaching thing? And I was like, no, like you have a business model that has amazing returns on capital. Let's just do a ton of them, right? And it was operationally simple. We could centralize a lot of the stuff, which is different than like a gym. Gym is a lot harder to centralize things, more decentralized. So I show this to say that right now, if my goal here is to make you guys as much money as humanly possible by the time I am done my 46 minutes, then if I can just get you to make the one chess move that will make you the most money, then it will ROI everything you do this year or maybe the next five years. Because fundamentally, people don't actually move faster than other people. Like you see me walk. It's not like I'm hyperactive. It's just you get more for each step when you are more strategic. When you have better priorities and you allocate your resources, time, money, energy into the fewest moves that get you the most bang for the buck, you make the most money. Hey guys, real quick, if you're new to the podcast, I have a book on Amazon. It's called $100 Million Offers at over 8,000 five-star reviews. It has almost a perfect score. You can get it for 99 cents on Kindle. The reason I bring it up is that I put over 1,000 hours into writing that book, and it's my biggest gift to our community, so it's my very shameless way of trying to get you to like me more and ultimately make more dollars so that later on in your business career, I can potentially partner with you. So that's my give. Go check it out, Amazon, and back to the show. So... Back to this. You guys want to hear a different example? So we had a we have a PR company that we bought um, that was was selling a hundred units a month of PR services, and they did decent, decent business. Really good marketer, so so delivery. But I really like the founder, and so we dove into the data, and it looked like eighty five percent of the businesses churned out within two or three months, which is horrendous. Fifteen percent of the customers paid the most and stayed the longest, and they were different. I was like, wild idea. What if we stop selling these 85% and only sell these 15 and cater our stuff to only them? And he was like, that would kill my business. Mind you, recurring theme of the first one, when I told him to shut his agency down, he had to go to zero and then built the next thing. And for nine months, he was basically at zero-ish. Hard, like tough, very simple to say, very hard to do. Could you guys imagine if you have two locations, I was like, hey, I can help you get there. For a year, you're gonna have to make no money. Cool. What do you do? Play a long game, right? And he was willing to do that. And that was me talking to him off a cliff every week, being like, hey, man, we're going to get there. <laughs> and so with this individual, uh, with the PR, we, he cut 85%. We catered the messaging. And we made it way more niche down to this specific avatar. And we 10 x the price. And now we sell more units than we did before. We 10 x the company. Strategy, rather than thinking, OK, what am I going to do to just get more? Now. There's always a time for more. Believe me, violence is the answer. Big fan, all right, of brutal, relentless effort. But we want to make sure that we're capturing the most per unit of effort. And so 
the equation for this is volume times leverage equals output, which means the more times you do something and the more, the more you get for each time you do it, the more you get ultimately. Now, if you're a lazy motherfucker, guess what? You better have a shitload of leverage. No, you can be lazy and still make tons of money. You just have to have lots of leverage. You got to be really strategic in the moves you make. The more activity you have, the more you can let a little bit of that uh, violence <laughs> um, work for you, but it ends up becoming a cap soon enough. Because at the end of the day, we only have X amount of hours. And if you want to do big shit, you need a lot of other people's hours to work for you, which is a form of leverage. Okay. So one moment. It's a different style. TikTok versions. All right. A little, 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 little stop and go. Okay. We got that. We got that. I'll give you a third one. So we had a, a company that uh, is an association of, of uh, trying to keep it vague. Let's call it dentists. Association of dentists. They had a, they had a business that like they glob all the savings together of all the dentists so that they would charge less than all of them saved with, with the conglomerate of buying power, right? So if you save $30,000 a year as a dentist, they would charge 10, super sticky model, great business. And so he's like, Hey, I think I could sell this thing for 20 or 30 million. And, uh, I was like, how many dentists do you have there? He's like, I don't know, 500. Like, and they all run the same systems. He's like, yeah. He's like, what's the average dentist make like per unit? It's like, I don't know, 500,000. I was like, wild idea. What if we take 10 every year, bundle them up and sell them for hundred million every year, get 20%, give 80% to them. That'd be chill, right? I was like, then you get your exit every single year. And then if you want to sell it, we exit the machine that does roll-ups because then that you have roll-up machine does 20 or 30 million a year in profit and we get 10x on that. Now you have a $300 million year exit rather than a $25 million year. He was like, that sounds better. I was like, I'm with you. I agree. Strategy, prioritizing. What move will get me the most for the effort I put in? All right. Now, this is a perfect transition to you're like, okay, that sounds very pie in the sky. So next TikTok, theory of constraint. So everything that we do at acquisition.com and the approach that we have with growing any business is spending a lot of effort to try and identify the constraint of the business because every single business is constrained. There's one thing that is limiting its growth. So right now, and here's the fucked up part, many of who here works all the hours of the day, like most of the hours that you're awake. Okay. Half of you. If your business is not growing as fast as you want it to, you are working on the wrong stuff. If it has stayed the same and you're spending all your time working on it, you're not going to get more hours. So you're doing the wrong shit. So it means that you have not properly identified the constraint of the business. So I'll give you an example of this. We had a media company that came to us, big YouTubers, 40 million plus subscribers. And they were like, Hey, I was like, what's the goal? They're like, we want to make money. I was like, cool. Love it. Great goal. So they're like, we think that we need to create a better media machine. It's like, okay. They're like, we need to really systematize this and do it better. It's like, okay. How are you monetizing? AdSense. By the way, very inefficient way to monetize. Okay. And so they're like, I think we're, I think this is, these are all the things that we need to do to eliminate our constraint for our production. Cool. It's like, have you thought of, wild idea, maybe we just like, the constraint of the business is that you don't have something to sell. I was like, you're like a 97 out of 100 on media and you're a zero out of 100 on shit to sell. And you're trying to talk about how to get to a 99 
rather than like, if we just went from zero to 20, we would probably make you 10 times more money than you're currently making. And so that is an idea of the theory of the constraint, right? Like the constraint of that business was not media. And many of you, the constraint of your business is not making better fucking workouts, right? That's not the constraint. It's not the constraint, right? That's not the constraint. And so right now, if you spend all your day working on shit that doesn't move the ball, working on the wrong shit. So let me tell you how we do it so that hopefully you can too. So one of the questions I like to ask is, why can't we 10x this business? Like, why can't we? And sometimes asking that question, and then it becomes really apparent what the problem is. And the answer is sometimes, well, we just need to hire all these people. It's like, well, then let's fucking do that, right? And so here's how we transition into the tactics around this. So this is the actual first part of my planning process prioritizing process, strategy process, whatever shoe fits you for figuring out what we're going to do with a company that we're going to grow. So when we're thinking about all the objectives, all the things we could potentially do, it has to map to one of these three objectives, which is one, how is this thing that we're going to spend time, money, effort on going to get us more customers? Two, how is this thing going, that we're going to spend time, money, and effort on get us increased LTGP, make them worth more? Or three, how is the time, energy, et cetera, going to decrease the risk that this does not continue to happen in the future? Which is another way of translating, how do we increase the enterprise value overall? So for example, if you do all of this stuff, that's great. Still really risky. Because if you die, the business dies. Now, if we have to hire someone to do the same thing as you, is it going to get more of either of these? Probably not. Will it make the thing more valuable? Absolutely. Does that make sense? So, I'm going to segue briefly. We're going to side quest. Imagine two people. Five million top line, five million top line. Two million in bottom line, two million in bottom line. This guy is a single owner, runs every, all the day-to-day, has lots of minions, no one with real brains, and they just do what he says. Okay? If this person dies, the business dies. This guy has a team that runs the whole thing, and he makes $2 million dollars, an income from the business, but it doesn't require him. Who's richer? This guy. Question is, how much richer? A lot. This guy, because he doesn't have to do anything, means that somebody else could also not have to do anything and also collect that $2 million a year, which means his thing is probably worth, depending on what type of industry it's in, 10, 15, sometimes $20 million. And so when this guy, here's where the leverage comes in, Big L, if you go from $2 million a year to $3 million a year in income, he just added $10 million to his net worth. This guy is concerned about all of the tax evasion strategies because he's trying to maximize his income and forgetting the fact that the asset is the thing that's going to build his net worth. This took me a really long time to learn. <laughs> like an absurdly long time. Everything I did was all about like, how do I take the income I have, be more efficient with it, blah, 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 blah. When it's really like you become wealthy from the shit you own, not the shit you do. So everybody here has a business. And right now, many of the businesses in this room are not valuable. No one would buy them. Because it's really just you with some helpers. And so the idea is that we have to transition, and this is a skill that is worth getting, because no matter what you do for the rest of your entrepreneurial career, you're going to need people. You need to have the skill of hiring, recruiting, training, onboarding, managing talent. Who here has one amazing superstar person who works for you? Cool. Imagine if you had four of them at your one location. How easy would life be, right? You make a ton of money. Here's what's fucking crazy. The difference between small businesses and big businesses is how many A players they have. 
And so what happens is most small business owners hire a lot of people, get lucky, one sticks, actually works their ass off at a fair rate. And you're like, man, if I had six more Sandras, right, I'd be good to go. The thing is, is that big business owners maintain a higher level or a lower tolerance for mediocrity. And so they actually do keep looking until they find six Sandras. And then it does become too easy for them to kill it. Because I got six Sandras. How could I lose? That's the idea. Make sense? Okay. This took me a long time to learn. Like I would just put up with people who are mediocre. And right now, many of you have a... Think of somebody who's mediocre on your team. Actually, I'll make it easier. Think about that person that you thought about today who you shouldn't have thought about. Because if they're not making you money and you're not sleeping with them, don't think about them first thing in the morning. All right? So... Anybody have somebody in mind? So if you have that person in mind, that person is taking up 25% of your bandwidth. What a cost, right? And probably many of you, the biggest lever of growth is on the other side of a few hard conversations. I now talk to portfolio CEOs all the time. And it is incredibly clear the people who will win and the people who will not is simply based on their ability to confront discomfort. And it's interesting because this is a mostly, eh, it's a kind of 50-50 actually audience uh, between male and female. But a lot of guys beat their chest. I can cold plunge. I can run a long time without stopping. Ooh, lift lots of weight. But you can't just say, hey, man, I think you suck a little bit. Real. Can't do it. And for that reason, they suffer for fucking decades because they can't fire Sarah. Not Sandra. Sandra's stud. Right? Can't fire Sarah. It's like, yeah, I know she slept with one of the clients, but like, I mean, I think her heart's in the right place. It's like, whenever you're, whenever you're qualifying that someone's heart's in the right place and deep down they're a good person, it's because it's obvious they suck, right? <laughs> Hit a nerve on that one. Uh, so right now, do me a favor. Write down the name of the person that you know you need to get back to and start what we call a performance improvement plan, which is you've got 14 days to fix your shit or get out. And many of you can't even have the conversation because you're too much of a fucking pansy. Real talk. And this will keep you poor. Seriously. Like, you, ha- like you got to grow up. Got to be able to have hard conversations. Be like, hey, my biggest, my biggest piece of advice for this is you know the shit you say about Sarah while you're here behind Sarah's back? God, she's just like, she's been slipping lately. You know what I mean? Like, she's not showing up on time. She's not cleaning up after the classes. She's short with the, with the clients. I had two people complain about her, right? Say that to her. That's it. Just think about what you'd shit talk and just say it to them. It's just the truth. Just say it to them. See what happens. One of two things. Either they're like, fuck, I've had my head up my ass. That's why it's been so dark. Um, <laughs> right? You're totally right. Thank you pull it out, right? And uh, all of a sudden, they have a total 180. That happens like one out of five times. Four out of five times, you say, these are the things that you have to do. They either say, I won't do that, or they say, sure, I'll try. And we both know they're not going to. And then you elegantly exit them from the business. The problem is that right now, Sarah teaches like six classes. (laughs) Now what? Got to find somebody else. She's killing your business. So get rid of Sarah, all right? So that was a side quest, but hopefully we found some treasure there. And uh, write the name of the person you need to have that hard conversation with and be like, there's this fucking speech and this guy was talking shit about you and I should have talked to your face. And so this is me talking shit to your face so that I feel better about it. You kind of suck. Okay. Really took that TikTok thing to heart. 
Um, okay. So I'm going back to this. That was a side quest, main quest. 